Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing all the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture, and more. You'll learn the Museum Way of Crystal Bridges. On today's podcast, we're exploring museums in the digital age. We'll meet Shane Ritchie, Creative Director of Experimentation and Development, and we'll talk with our Curator of Contemporary Art, Lauren Haynes, and Senior Museum Educator Moira Anderson about the Soul of a Nation, Art in the Age of Black Power exhibition, and its opening symposium that was streamed online by nearly 10,000 viewers. So let's jump into Museum Way. We're here with Creative Director of Experimentation and Development, Shane Ritchie. Shane, thanks for being on Museum Way. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's start with your title. Your role as Creative Director of Experimentation and Development sounds kind of mad scientisty to me. What are you doing? What's this all about? Yeah, we're we're kind of looking for ways to to pursue those kind of big ideas, those big projects that in the past would have been too big for what we had going on, and and identifying those opportunities. And looking for ways to take them from ideas and actually turn them into a, an achievable project that we can can work on and bring through. Okay, so you're looking to sort of play around, experiment, literally uh, innovate, and looking all over the spectrum. Yes. Yeah, all those things, the things that in the past we we thought of that we really really liked, but we just didn't have the the, the time or the resources to to, to go after. And, or maybe something you've seen at other museums and mm-hmm. different things. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, can you give us an example of what you're working on now? Uh, yeah, we've recently launched our Google Arts and Culture page. That's a part of our partnership with the Google Cultural Institute, where that the page is basically just um, a place for us to upload content, our collection, build um, they call stories, which is just really nice, really interactive bits of, of content that that will kind of enhance the what else we're doing at the museum. Yeah, I've seen this. This is like where you can go and look at virtual images of places from like the Met, the Louvre, all over the world, yes? Yes. They've come and shot our collection at ultra-high resolution. They've gone through our galleries with their their gallery view cameras, which you'd be familiar with if you know of the Google Street View on Google Maps. Um, It's just like that, except it's in the galleries where you can, can walk through any of the spaces. Wow, so Google was here. Google was here. Yeah, they've, they've come here several times. Um, once with, like I was saying, the, the street view or the gallery view uh, cameras to build a, a virtual walkthrough of the museum. They've also come with their what they call the Google Art Camera, uh, which is a sam- essentially a, a robotic camera uh, that uses really impressive software lasers to kind of measure the, the image, the painting, and then shoot it, shoot dozens or even hundreds of smaller tiles of the, the artwork in high resolution and then combine them all into one just gigantic painting that allows you to zoom in and view the painting in just incredible detail. I mean, you're re- literally getting down to like the brush strokes and the, the grains in the canvas. Oh, wow. And did I get you right? It's a robot with lasers. It's a robot with, with lasers. Yeah. You are a mad scientist. So it sounds like we can actually kind of take a virtual tour of the galleries, the grounds. Sure. Everything um, that is accessible to the public is now available on our Google um, Arts and Culture page. All the galleries, lobbies, even the Frank Lloyd Wright House and the Buckminster Fuller Dome are available on there and look great. Wow. So I hear that you're working on virtual reality. Yeah. We'll be launching uh, CBVR, another project, um, Crystal Bridges Virtual Reality, around the time that this podcast airs. And see what CBVR is, is kind of a 
is, is kind of a, a, the, the umbrella term for, for a couple of different projects. First, we'll be publishing a webpage. It's crystalbridges.org slash VR. That is just a place for all of our virtual reality content to live. And then we will be just producing lots of, of VR content. The first thing that we'll be launching with is a, um, is a VR version of, of our painting, Kindred Spirits. By Asher B. Durand. Yeah, yeah, Durand's Kindred Spirits will be on loan uh, and not available in the museum this next year. So what this video will allow you to do is to kind of enter into the painting and be taken from spot to spot in the painting uh, with a voiceover. That's kind of explaining the, the finer points of the painting. But the video will, will really will let you kind of enter in and stand there on that cliffside next to Com Thomas Cole and... Uh, William Colin Bryant and kind of look at the view that they're they're looking at in the painting. So on the edge. Right on the edge. I'm feeling vertigo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's I was looking at some early test of the video and, and yeah, if, if you if you tend to be afraid of heights, you'll want to be sitting down for this one. <laughs> That's so cool. So all of this uh content you've been describing, is this something I can actually access from home in my pajamas? Sure. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, everything is going to be available on the website through crystalbridges.org slash VR. Uh, we're, we're also producing a, a cardboard VR viewer. I'm sure you're familiar with those. They're Google released them several years ago. People have been using them a lot. It's essentially just a, a low cost, high quality uh, cardboard essentially an origami set that when it, it comes, you, you unpack it, fold it up into a, a VR viewer that you stick your phone into and it turns your phone into a, a virtual reality headset. Basically, well, Yeah. It's like a high tech view master for yeah. those people that remember those great things. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. works the same way. Wow. You know, it's funny hearing all of this and thinking I can do this from home in my pajamas. It actually makes me think I'd rather it would want me to visit the museum because then you get a, a sense or a taste of, of what's there and what it feels like. Absolutely. At the core of everything that we're doing is not just me, but everybody at the museum is giving people access to the art. And we found that a lot of the projects that we do, a lot of the digital content that we produce actually makes people more interested and wants to get them here to the museum quicker. Okay, that's really great. So uh, what are some upcoming opportunities that you're most excited about? There's several projects that I have on my list. I've been building this list for several years, so there's there's lots of things that we're getting to. But even more exciting than that is kind of the unknown, what's coming next. The whole point of, of what we're trying to do with experimentation and development, but then also as an entire museum, is just to to be better at recognizing opportunities and be in a position to to pursue those opportunities in the future when they come up so that new huge advances in technologies aren't a crisis for us. They're, they're an opportunity and they're things that we can now go after. Right. So the idea is we don't have to say idea anymore. Yeah. Ideas are now reality. All right. That's, that's really awesome. Thanks for stopping by Shane Ritchie. He is the creative director of experimentation and development. Thanks, man. Great. Thanks for having me. Art connects us. And Crystal Bridges strengthens these connections through programs that bring people together, spark conversation, and inspire creativity. Get inspired to expand your world and build your community by becoming a Crystal Bridges member today. Benefits include free admission to our temporary exhibitions and discounts on classes and programs. Join now to take advantage of our upcoming concert series in the North Forest. Learn more at crystalbridges.org. We're here with Curator of Contemporary Art, Lauren Haynes. Hello. Hey. And Senior Museum Educator, Moira Anderson. Hello. To talk about the symposium and opening weekend of the Soul of a Nation exhibition. So welcome. 
Thanks for having us. Thanks. So glad you're here. So let's talk about this really exciting exhibition. How did Soul of a Nation come about, Lauren? Soul of a Nation is an exhibition that was organized by Tate Modern in London, and it looks at works of art created between 1963 and 1983 by a group of primarily African-American artists. And really what the exhibition does is look at art created in this important moment in our nation's history that is tackling and trying to answer this question, is there such a thing as black art? And really what the exhibition does is prove that there's no one answer to this question. So how many artists are featured? There are about 60 artists in the exhibition total, and we were extremely lucky to have 14 of the artists from the exhibition here at the museum for the opening weekend. Wow. So we had what was called a symposium. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, what is a symposium? First of all, well, the symposium that we had was about 14 of those artists in conversation with moderators from around the country. And it just featured about eight hour long conversations throughout the day that took a deeper look at the artworks that they created in the exhibition, but also a look at the artworks that they're continuing to create today, some of the context and the historical significance in which those works were created throughout the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, and gave the public the opportunity to watch not only here inside of the museum, but also at home. So yeah, I was going to ask, this podcast is about the museum in the digital age. So t tell me a little bit about this live streaming opportunity. So one of the wonderful things that we had the opportunity to do for the symposium was live stream it and live broadcast it in real time not only to the viewers that came here to the museum that might not have been able to get a seat because the symposium was sold out at about 400 guests. Fairly quickly. Very quickly. Out. Wow, yeah. yeah. But you could, by clicking a, a link, tune in anywhere from your couch in your pajamas or go and visit one of the sites that was hosting what's called a watch party. And we had about 11 sites around the country, some in universities, some independently organized um, with other people who actually opened up their venues and allowed others to come and watch and discuss the symposium as it was happening. So how many okay. people watched? Oh, it's 10,000 so far and continuing to climb. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So tell us a little bit about the opening weekend and having all of those artists here. I'm curious, how, how did you reach out to them and how did all that come together? So... In the beginning, <laughs> we never really anticipated that there would be this large of an opening weekend, um, the symposium. When we were first uh, thinking about opening exhibition programming for the weekend, we started looking into how many of the artists were, were still living and still speaking. And then what we did is we reached out to all of them with just a general inquiry. Would you be interested in participating and some programming during the time, a lecture, a talk, a workshop. And we received overwhelming responses from them. And naturally, a symposium was a good fit. Yeah, and we were able to really make the symposium even greater thanks to funding from the Ford Foundation and Christie's. So in order to bring all the artists here and bring all the moderators and have such an amazing opportunity to live stream it, it was really with the support of both of those places. And I think one of the things that I loved best, because it was a way not only to bring the artists here to meet with our guests and visitors and, here to, and to hear them speak firsthand, but to see how excited they were to see each other was really fantastic. Wow. So had they knew, a lot of them knew one another, yes? Yes. 
It was a large reunion for many of them. Um, I got to witness firsthand. I mean, so many of them are old friends, but there was a moment when artist Randy Williams saw Linda Good Bryant, founder of Jam, in the hotel lobby. Neither of them knew that they were both going to be here at the same time, and they just ran and embraced each other. And um, yeah, very special. So during the symposium, you have all these amazing people. How did you decide who would speak with each other? How did that program, those programming choices work out? So initially, when we started getting the responses, what I did is I reached out to each of the artists individually after they uh, got back to me with their programming preference and asked them really what they wanted to speak about. Many of them, of course, like the artists from the Afrocobra Collective, for instance, they were going to be here, and it seemed really natural to put them in conversation with each other. And then, of course, there were some that really wanted to speak on in a solo conversation and take a closer look at, you know, specific artworks that they were creating. And then Lauren and I, of course, sat down and looked at the artists um, a little bit and, you know, made place them with the moderators from around the country, too, which we were incredibly fortunate to have in conversation with these artists as well. So did any artists choose for themselves where they might like to go? <laughs> There's a, a the conversation that Lauren moderated with Mel Edwards and Bill, William T. Williams. Originally, when we first started discussing with Melvin, he wanted to do a conversation, but then uh, they both discovered that they were going to be at the symposium uh, together, and they decided they would love to do a conversation. They're best friends. And And it was very much, I was completely unnecessary in that conversation, (laughs) because the two of them have been talking about their work, talking about each other's work together for a really long time. They even shared a studio space at one point. So hearing them talk from that perspective, not only about their own work, but to hear... Melvin Edwards talk about how important he feels William T. Williams' work is, to hear William T. Williams talk about how important Mel Edwards is, and on and on. It was a really amazing thing that I don't don't think we've yet to see really how fantastic it was. So what do you hope guests will actually take away from this exhibition and this experience of meeting or hearing from the artists? I think it's really immeasurable. I think it's something that we're going to see the results of for a long time, being able to have the artists here and have our visitors hear them, but also meet with them. They were walking around in the galleries and talking to people, talking about their work. I think that's something that guests are going to have stick with them for a long time and really give them a new understanding about art and the art that they're looking at in the museum. And many of the artists were here throughout the entire weekend participating, of course, not only in the symposium, but they also had the opportunity to interact with guests in workshops. Ming Smith on Sunday led a photography workshop in downtown Bentonville, guiding our guests through some street photography techniques. Randy Williams did a lot of programming while he was here, um, professional development for our museum educators, and then led a Sunday workshop for our teen council since he helped to create some of the team programming for the Met. So being able to participate in experience, learning with an artist in more intimate educational aspect was an incredible opportunity for our guests with the exhibition. Yeah, and we were able to have so many people here who had never been to Crystal Bridges before, who had never been to Bentonville. So it was also, for us, the start of some conversations with artists. We're hoping to do 
a mural in downtown Bentonville with William T. Williams, and really just this idea of the symposium and the Sullivan Nation opening weekend being the start of so many conversations is something that I think we'll take away and think about for a long time. Yeah, I would think in the context of Black Lives Matter recently that that revisiting this period in American art is real valuable. It lets us see how artists are really great at (laughs) responding to things that are happening and really can be a beacon for us to think about really important times. All right. Well, I'm really excited about this exhibition. I want everyone to come see it. Soul of a Nation, Art in the Age of Black Power. It's on view at Crystal Bridges through April 23rd. Don't miss it. Moira, Lauren, thanks so much for dropping by Museum Way. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Celebrate Soul of a Nation, Art in the Age of Black Power, with Art Night Out on March 24th. All ages are invited to join us for an action-packed experience that brings the galleries to life with theater, poetry, games, and more. Kicking off the night are popular Memphis hip-hop dancers G-Nerd and Dream, followed by Philadelphia's DJ King Brit. The night features free admission to the exhibition. Learn more at crystalbridges.org. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Museum Way. We'll have new episodes out each month. Head over to our Facebook page. We'll be sharing this episode there. And comment to let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast. Or ask a question you've always been curious about. You can also ask us on Twitter with the hashtag Museum Way. Check back next month to see if we answer your question. I'm Stace Treat, and I'll catch you next time right here on Museum Way.